Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you're not a malicious soul, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Drew Random. You want more details on my weekly status reports? Okay, here you go. Enjoy. Back in the early 2000s, I worked as a software engineer on a team of software engineers. What that meant was that I spent a lot of time writing code, fixing bugs, defects, glitches, etc. The company's software releases goes in cycles and regularly goes into a cycle of fixing bugs for weeks at a time. My boss does a weekly status report that he sends out to his boss and some other middle management. He writes a team summary and then includes all of our status reports that we send him by copying and pasting. When we're in one of those bug fixing cycles, my status report looked like week of month, year, worked on fixing bugs. Cue first malicious compliance, boss asks that I provide more details. Now my status report looked like week of month, year, worked on fixing bugs, list of bug numbers 1234. Cue second malicious compliance. Boss had a sit-down meeting with me and talked about better details than just bugs, even though that's all I and the rest of the team have been doing. We had a small argument on this where I told him that if I provide more details, no one's ever going to read it anyway. That didn't go over with him well. He basically told me that if it's related to the actual work, put it in the status report. My new status report looked like week of month, year, day one, working on bug 1234, no clue. Went to break room for coffee. Ended up talking to John about bug 1234 for 30 minutes. Then talked to John about the bug he was working on, 5678, for another 30 minutes. On the way back to my desk, bumped into Jane who asked me for help about the bug she was working. Spent 20 minutes in the hallway talking to Jane. We were both clueless. Got bug 2345 assigned to me, but I'm still working on 1234. Both are high priority. Everything's high priority. Continued working on 1234. Went to lunch with Jack and Jill. We ended up discussing the bugs we're working on for over two hours. Got some ideas to pursue. Ideas didn't pan out. End of day. We'll resume tomorrow. Basically, I did this for each day of the week and then sent it to my boss. He promptly asked me to summarize my week. I said, worked on fixing bugs. He never asked me about my status reports ever again. If you were working a job and your boss is like, you have to write out a very detailed summary and it's just not even worth it, it's just going to be the same monotonous thing repeated in a slightly more fancy way, would you go all in and just list everything and totally make it just taxing for them to read and hopefully get the message? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Goth Angel Blood. Call me unprofessional? Okay. Good luck finding another instructor. I realized today that there's not enough stories on here about teachers and malicious compliance. So as a teacher of two decades, I decided it was time to write out mine. First and foremost, this is a story about a toxic workplace. This could happen in any business in the world. It just happened to occur in a school. Many, many moons ago, back in the days of Ebola, my school was having a massive shift in priorities and focus. We were a rural school. So, new principal assigned to the building, pupils being redistricted, mass retirements. 
Several people were being pushed out and run off by the incoming principal. A good number of people quit because of the toxic work environment, but I was not in a position to do so. At the time, I had a unique schedule. I taught mostly dual credit courses to juniors and seniors, but I also taught one course of students with SEN and NSPED issues. The dual credit courses required a specific advanced degree, as I was essentially teaching college credits in the high school. This detail will become essential later. At my school, we would be assigned support teachers to give additional help to students with SEN or SPED services. That support was not allowed to teach, but would typically share a classroom with the content teacher. I was usually unconcerned with who my assigned support was, as I'm a laid-back person who can work with just about anyone, and I don't care about sharing a classroom. But there was one male support teacher who was not allowed in my room or near me in the hall, ever. For the sake of the story, we'll refer to him as harass. If ever a man knew how close he could get to sexual harassment without crossing the line, it was him. Heck, sometimes he did cross the line. I made dozens of complaints, but nothing was ever done as I wasn't the target of his comments. He was very religious, carrying on all the time about how a woman's place was at home, so the school was clearly filled with loose women. He made the comment in the hall during transition. He also believed that if a woman was ever elected president, she would nuke the world the first time she had PMS. He told this to a class of freshmen. The school year in question, Harass was assigned to the most experienced teacher in the building. She was set to retire at the end of the year. Coupled with her no-nonsense attitude, the powers that be thought she could keep him in line. It took three weeks, and she threatened to quit if Harass was not moved out of her classroom. Fearful of losing another teacher at the start of a chaotic year, Harass was assigned to me as my support teacher. I found out when he walked into my room, announced that we could be buddies now, and made a crude joke about how he could domesticate me now. I immediately left the school sick and called my principal about the matter. He informed me, in no uncertain terms, that I could not refuse to work with someone just because that person made me uncomfortable. I reminded him of the previous complaints I had made. He snapped at me a bit, telling me he couldn't believe what an unprofessional child I was being. I was told to come up with a legitimate reason harass shouldn't be in my class or shut my mouth and make it work. After hanging up the phone, the malicious compliance began. You see, I did have a legitimate reason. Because of a health issue I've had for my entire life, enduring extended periods of stress and anxiety can kill me. I even carry medicine with me to lower my heart rate just in case. Step one was to call my doctor, who brought me in the very next day after I explained what was going on. She took my blood pressure, faxed a medical letter to my school immediately, and signed me out of work for six weeks, since I had six weeks of leave earned at this point. Step two was to literally stop doing anything. Usually when a teacher goes out, lessons are pulled from the other members of the school who teach the same content. Unfortunately for them, I was the only person in my building teaching dual credit. A few phone calls by my principal to the surrounding schools taught him what I already knew. I was the only person teaching these courses out of 11 high schools. There were no lessons to be found. I'm not sure what they gave my students to do during that time, but it surely wasn't the correct work. Step three was to let two or three of the parents know what was going on. 
I never directly told them, but a friend of a cousin of a neighbor might have heard about my health issues and passed the information along. Here's the point of the story. When you think I'm about to tell you I enjoyed my six-week paid vacation and went back to work, right? Oh no, the malicious compliance continues. A week before I'm scheduled to return to work, my principal calls me up. Standard well wishes about my health are extended, after which he says that he hopes the weeks away from the building have cleared my mind and helps me realize how hysterical I was acting. He continued by saying regardless of my feelings, I would continue to have harass as a support teacher. I asked him if he was ready to lose a teacher over this, and he laughed and hung up. Knowing that this probably was going to happen, I already had a doctor's appointment set up for phase two. Because my health issue is explicitly and clearly covered by the ADA, my doctor issued me reasonable accommodation paperwork to give HR. Essentially, I was to be allowed to teach in the least stressful environment possible, as determined by myself and my supervisor, along with a doctor's note restricting me to teaching duties that could be performed at home, because of the excessive stress currently in the building. Like I said, we're in the year of Ebola, so virtual learning was unheard of in most places. I checked with a lawyer to make sure my contract was airtight. It was and I delivered the paperwork to the head of HR, whose child I taught. I also contacted my college supervisor, whose child I taught, to inform her that as of Monday, I would have been absent for more than 20% of the seat time for my courses, thus rendering those credits invalid. Over the weeks, she had pieced together what was going on, despite the school refusing to communicate any information with her, and she was furious. She may have told other parents what was going on, which resulted in dozens of calls to the school within a few days. By Monday, my accommodations were approved. I was allowed to teach my classes virtually from my home to save the embarrassment of canceling dual credit courses, and I wrote out the year at home before transferring districts at the end of the year. I never spoke to or saw harass again. I love that this principal was like, you can't just refuse to work with somebody that makes you uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, like, heck I can. I mean, it might be a little drastic, but some people might just straight up resign over something like that. This next story is by District Equivalent 79. You want to fire me? Please do. This happened about 30 years ago. I was unemployed when I heard that the local decommissioned military base had been converted for commercial use and was looking to hire a large force of private security. Not much of a job, but something to keep the bills paid while I looked for something better, I guess. I was hired as a patrol officer and assigned to one of four day shifts. The base was large enough that they divided it up into four areas, and thus we had four shifts at all times. There was Big Boss, I'll call him Jake, shift bosses, and patrol officers. I was assigned to Area 3, so I was a patrol officer in Area 3, and my boss was shift manager for Area 3. I'll call him Jim. The shift manager for Area 2, I'll call him Butt, and a patrol officer for Area 2, I'll call him Hole, were really close friends. And both of them were jerks. Everyone hated them. But luckily, I didn't have much contact with them as I was working for Jim and in a different area of the base. To patrol, we had patrol cars, patrol golf carts, or we could walk. The distances we had to cover were measured in miles. Walking was impractical. There was too much ground to cover in a limited time. I usually chose the golf cart 
I liked it as I could drive around buildings even if there was no road. Each day, we would come in to check the assignment board, grab a set of keys and a radio, and then head out on security patrols. I was always assigned to Area 3, but I knew the other areas well, as I had previously been stationed at the base while it was still an active military base. On many of my patrols, I would find windows or doors open on buildings that I was sure hadn't been used in years. It puzzled me until I caught the other supervisor but driving around Area 3 one day. Curious what he was up to, I followed him discreetly and noticed that he was opening random stuff in my area that should have been locked. Game on. For some odd reason, but really hated me. I still don't know why, but that's why he was roaming around in my area trying to leave stuff insecure. He was deliberately trying to get me in trouble, but he was frustrated because I always found the stuff that was unlocked or open in my area. One day, I come into work and notice, oddly, that I was assigned to patrol Area 2, and that, oddly, the guy usually assigned to Area 2, Hole, was assigned to patrol my area, Area 3. So I wasn't covering for someone not on duty, the assignments had been switched. Whatever, change of scenery. That day, I did a thorough job of patrolling Area 2, Hole's patrol area, and found lots of stuff to report a leaking pipe flooding a building, several doors unlocked. The unlocked doors puzzled me as I was sure the buildings hadn't been touched in years. So how did Hole miss the unlocked doors on dozens of patrols? Anyway, I took careful notes of everything I found and put it in my patrol report before my shift ended. Next day, but not my manager, remember, summons me into a meeting with the big manager, Jake, and my boss, Jim, was in there also. I looked at Jim with a questioning glance, but he just shrugged his shoulders. He didn't know what was going on either. Bud starts the meeting, stating that he'd been doing spot checks on Area 3 yesterday and found several problems. That caught my attention. I mean, what did he find wrong in my usual patrol area? He goes on to rattle off a really long list of items he had found. Mostly unlocked doors, open windows, stuff that was clearly not secure. In Area 3, Jake and Butt are now giving me the stink eye, and I can see where this is headed. Butt concludes his speech with, It is clear that any patrol officer who is careless enough to miss all these problems while on patrol should be terminated immediately. Then he turns to me and asks, What are your thoughts on that situation? To his surprise, I answer, I totally agree. If a patrol officer is that incompetent, then that patrol officer should be fired immediately. And then Jake chimes in with, Done, you're fired. Then I look at Jake like he had three heads, and my boss Jim finally jumps in. Jim says, Uh, Jake, this patrol officer, pointing at me, was assigned to patrol area 2 yesterday, remember? You suggested the assignment change yourself. So, Jake asks me if I was patrolling Area 2 yesterday. I told him yes, and then I pulled out my patrol report notes from the day before. I proceeded to list all the stuff I found insecure in Area 2 the previous day. As I'm doing this, I can see the color draining from Butt's face. Hole had just been caught doing a very poor job of patrol in two areas. Butt got his friend fired by trying to get me fired. This right here is definitely why you not only try to do a meticulous job when somebody's headhunting, but you also just cover your butt and make sure whatever you can document, whatever might save you, 
you get written down. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.